Thank you very much. That, uh, that was a great song. That's great for an emotional guy to have a song like that and then come up and try to talk to people. Um, guys, uh, we're just, just really glad to see everyone that's here this morning. I hope you guys have had a good day so far. And really glad you guys decided to spend some time with us today. Um, I'm Jeep Underwood and we're gonna, we're in the middle of a series, uh, that we've been doing for a couple of weeks now called Been There, Done That. And uh, the foundational idea behind this series is that uh, because Jesus became a human, he really knows what it feels like to be us. And he uh, he's really been there, and he's really done that. And so when we approach him, when we come before him and we ask him for help, he really understands. And he understands from a place of, of really having been there, and he just relationally is able to help us at the very point of our need. That's really, that's really what's behind this, uh, this series. So today we're going to be looking at an arena of life that if, if handled well, if handled well, it really helps you avoid many difficulties and troubles that could come your way. And if it's ha- not handled well, it can really add to your difficulties and your troubles in life, uh, as you continue on. And so today, what we're looking at today is following well. Following well. You know, following the leadership and the authority structures over us is just their critical elements in how our life turns out. They're critical. And But one thing, having said that, one thing that's really true, and I think all of us can resonate with this, is we just don't like people telling us what to do. You know, uh, I can go through the day going, well, you know what, tonight I'm going to wash dishes. And as I'm walking in after dinner, Kate goes, could you wash the dishes? I'm like, well, tell me what to do. I was... <laughs> so, I mean, it's... It's just, there's just this, this thing with all of us. And, uh, you know, last week I mentioned, I had mentioned, uh, just that it was my 27th anniversary working for the engineering company that I've been working for. And, you know, having spent that much time in the company, I have seen this dynamic of don't tell me what to do from many different vantage points. <laughs> uh, you know, as an intern, as a, uh, project engineer, as a, just a journeyman engineer, as a supervisor, as a project manager. I've seen the gamut, but I, I remember when I first became supervisor, it wasn't three weeks before I had this going on, and I came up and I told one of the gentlemen that I needed him to work on something, and he, he informed me that that really wasn't on his to-do list. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and so uh, he basically, he said, he said, uh, I don't want to do that. And I went, okay. And I, this is a guy that I'd known a long time. I, I just, I did not expect that. And I went and I talked to my boss. To get some advice, and I just I sat down and I explained to him what happened, and he, he, he leans back in his chair, Tom leaned back in his chair, and he kind of smile plays on his lips, and he goes, welcome to management. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Uh, but, then, but then he gave me some good advice, and I followed it, and it went, and it went well. Uh, we were able to move through there. But there's just, there's just something about the way we're wired uh, that we just don't like to be, someone tell us what to do. And you see that all through the scriptures as well. You just see it all through the scriptures, that same dynamic. And you also, you see a lot of leaders all the way through the scriptures. And what you find is that, uh, you know, if, just to look back, you would, one thing that you kind of strikes you is that there really are no perfect leaders. You know, in the scriptures, we just have this sweep of history. You can look through even the very best leaders that you see in the, in the Bible. They, uh, they still had things that they did wrong. They still had things that they didn't call right. And so there's no one that has it all figured out. Uh, there's no one who always does the right thing. There's no one who always makes the right decision. 
We just have, we have imperfect leaders uh, around us. That's just a fact of life. So if none of us like to be told what to do and there's no perfect leaders in life, then why is there so much leadership and authority everywhere we look? <laughs> you know, that's just all around us. And I, I think, you know, we have like the boss employee, team leaders and team members, parents, kids, husbands, wives, governments and citizens. We have all kinds of leadership around us. And I think the short answer is it's necessary. It's necessary because it's necessary to accomplish what God's really given us to do. You know, to get anything done, you've probably noticed this, is you really need to have teamwork. You need to have people that are cooperatively working together, and you need to have leadership where someone is kind of seeing where we need to go, and they're kind of, and they're really kind of getting the group moving towards that direction. You really need that to make things happen. So a key point, and so leading up to this key point I'd like to, to make, and that is, that God is in charge and he guides us through the leaders that he's put in place. God is in charge and he guides us through the leaders that he puts in place. So I'd like to look at something Paul said uh, in Romans 13. Now, Paul, he's talking here about the governing authorities, but he points to a principle. So I want to take a look at that. He, Paul says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. So what he's saying is that all the authority around us was placed there by God. And he's also saying that when we resist against it, we just causes us all kinds of trouble. It causes all kinds of trouble. And then another thing I want to bring out this morning just in the area of leadership is, and God's action, is look at Proverbs 21.1. This is just a, a picture. This is something that Solomon said. He said, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. And so, you know, the picture is like you've got a little bit of water in your hand. You, Any way you tilt your hand, the water just goes that way. And it's just it's, what he's saying is that God really holds sway over the hearts of us all and over the hearts of our leaders and that God can really influence every leader in your life. God can really influence every leader in your life. And so when you, God is someone that you can go to. And he can affect anything you're facing. But to really, to really move forward with that, faith is really required. So faith is required to really trust God in that way. And this morning I'd like to look just a, for a minute at it, at a story from the Gospels in Jesus' uh, life when he was here uh, on the planet. It's a time when Jesus actually said, wow. Now, people saying wow about Jesus happened a lot. Like he would say things, then people, they sent some guys to, to, to get him one time to kind of capture him. And he, they walk away and they go, man, I've never heard anybody talk like that guy. And people would say wow about Jesus a lot. But this was a time when Jesus heard what someone had to say and he said wow. And so I want to take a look at this. It's in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 8. But there's a Roman centurion came up and he asked Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus said, I will. You know, I'll go with you. And then right then the centurion said this. He said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And, uh, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. You know, I, 
when I first read that, the th- I, w- I was surprised because sometimes when you're reading the scriptures, I don't know about you, but I kind of I kind of think, oh, this is where it's heading. And he said, I too am, I expect him to say, I am too am a man with authority. And instead he said, I too am a man under authority. And, you know, I, I think, you know, he saw himself as under authority, but also he had people under him. And, you know, he felt that Jesus had the authority to heal even if Jesus wasn't there. But I think his reasoning is what really captured Jesus' attention. And that was he saw himself as both a follower and a leader. He saw himself both as a follower and a leader. And I think that's something that gets really lost in our culture. There's a, there's a big push to be a leader uh, in our culture. But there's a real need to follow. In fact, you really can't be a good leader unless you really know how to follow well. And you know, at work, if you just think about it at work, like at my job, uh, you have like a, a division chief who kind of lays out what he wants done to the branch chiefs. The branch chiefs then meet with their section chiefs and kind of lay out what they want done. And, and then you have uh, the, the section chiefs will then talk to the project leaders, and then the project leaders will take their teams and try to get things done. And so there's everywhere in there, there's someone, any, no matter what position of leadership you have, you have someone that you're following, and then you have folks that you're leading. And... I think a big part of leadership, a big part of leading is just taking a group of folks and following well with them to really accomplish what the folks over you have given you to do. So it's really, it's taking a group of folks and really following well with them. That's really a big part of what leadership is. So to get, so it's kind of the heart, the heart of the talk today is what do you do when you don't agree with a decision that leadership is making? What do you do when you just don't agree? I know none of us have ever been there. <laughs> um, you know, I think when 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 you when you get to a place where you just you're not sure you agree or you don't think you agree, I think there's a temptation that comes, and there's a there's a temptation that comes where you kind of see, well, you're here and I'm here, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself over you. So, okay, you're here, I'm here, but now I'm here. And I know this is what you said, but this is what's going to happen. And so there's this temptation to just try to take control of the situation and make it go the way that you want it to go. You know, you might say that, but this is what we're going to do. Now, uh, several years ago, uh, I want to just share a quick story. Um, many years ago, actually, um, our youngest son, Donovan, was being born. You know, he's our, he's our youngest and so Kate had become kind of an expert at this time. You know, this was her third kid. And, uh, but something was different as she would always meet with the doctor and then she would, uh, this time she was, you know, having appointments like first three or four months and they kept having her see a nurse practitioner because they were a lot, I guess a lot more busy. This medical group got a lot more busy. And so she began seeing a nurse practitioner every time and she wanted to see the doctor. She'd ask, can I see the doctor? And, the one who's going to deliver my baby. I'd like to talk to this person. And then they kept having her see the nurse practitioner, and they told her you have to make an appointment if you want to see the doctor for just the doctor. And the only one available is, like, about a week and a half before you're due. So, like, okay. Well, the nurse practitioner had been really good, and Kate had really gotten, you know, she was very, very helpful. So she made this appointment, and she waited patiently till this time to go see the doctor. So she goes to see the doctor, and I get a phone call. I'm at work, and I get a phone call from Kate, and she's crying. Now, I don't know about you, but when uh, if you want to know, like, how can you get Jeep upset? 
Well, just just make Kate cry. <laughs> that that pretty much will do it. And uh, she's crying, and she's saying, I went in there. They told me I can't see the doctor. And, uh, you know, they're, they're too busy, and I'm going to have to see the nurse practitioner. I explained to them that I made the appointment, and the, the head nurse just said, you know, you just can't just can't do that. And so I, as she's telling me this, a picture begins to develop in my mind. And this picture goes something like this. It, it wasn't fully developed, but this is kind of like this. It was like, I'm going to go jump in my car right now, and I'm going to drive the Whittier. I'm going to get Kate by the hand, and we're going to walk back in there. I'm going to, we're going to find this nurse, and I'm going to explain to her how this is going to go. Uh, my wife has an appointment with the doctor. She'll see a doctor. In fact, actually, we don't need you. Where is the doctor? And I'll start looking around. I'll get me a doctor and say, come here, uh, Brent, come here. And uh, this, is, this is the picture in my mind. Now, thankfully, thankfully, um, somewhere between when Kate gave me the head nurse's name and phone number and when I actually called, um, God did something in my heart. <laughs> uh, and God just began, he helped me see the future. And I just thought, you know, what would happen if I were to do anything like that? And I thought, you know what? Not very many good things would happen if I did that. Um, but I do know this. At the end of the day, Kate still probably wouldn't have seen a doctor. <laughs> and I probably would be enjoying some time in a little room, uh, maybe with some bars. <laughs> I don't know. It would be like uh, they would, I'd probably get to talk to a few officers. Um and so I just thought, you know, this, that's just not going to work. It'll never achieve this. And so, so when she, uh, so I called up the, the, the office and I got the nurse and I, I don't remember her name now, but I got her, got her on the phone <clears throat> and I, I just realized I needed to say something very different. And so I just said, Hey, my name is, uh, Hey, I'm Jeep Underwood. And my, uh, my wife, Kate was just in, she had an appointment to see the doctor and I just kind of explained to her. She was told she couldn't see the doctor. She had to see the nurse practitioner and just wanted to try to get her in to see the doctor. And, and the, <clears throat> you can tell when someone's really angry, even on the phone. And she just got, she got angry. And she just very tersely said, that's the way it is, sir. I already explained this to your wife and this is the way it is. And, uh, we're just too busy. And I just, I just said, well, um, I just like ask you a question. And I said, now, <clears throat> my wife has been coming to your office for three months, four months now, and she's been seeing the nurse practitioner. And I said, actually, it's been really, really helpful. The uh, She really enjoys uh, the advice and the help that she's gotten, but she really wants to see the doctor that's going to deliver the baby before she actually shows up at the hospital. And um, she's, she's due in a week and a half. Now, I don't think my wife's being unreasonable. What do you think? And it just got real quiet. And so she just, and after a, after some, a lot of, uh, quite a bit of silence, she goes, I don't think she's being unreasonable. Call your wife and have her come back in here and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work things out to where she can see the doctor. I said, well, thank you very much. Really, really, really appreciate that. And so, Kate was able to see a doctor and Donovan here live and well. So it all, it all turned out pretty good. Now, now, now the reason I remember that story really, really well because I learned something that day. I, it was a pivotal moment for me. And one thing, what I learned was, is that when I 
when I respond to somebody without a rebellious spirit, I'm a lot more persuasive. When I re- respond to someone without a rebellious spirit, I'm a lot more persuasive. In fact, that's just true across the board as, as I've found and I've seen it in other people's lives that when you respond to the authority over you without a rebellious spirit, you're very, you're very persuasive to them. And it really opens the door for them to really listen to you. And it can make a huge difference in how things turn out for you. Um, now, you might be surprised at this, but, you know, Jesus can really empathize with us in this um, because he's really been tempted in this area as well. And in fact, you know, one time I was uh, I was reading, I was just reading through the Gospels. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I read, as I'm reading, I get questions. And sometimes I write those questions down and I look at them later. But I had this question. I was reading through the, the account of the crucifixion. And the, the question that I got, I had was, how in the world did, Jesus, did Pilate know Jesus was innocent? I just thought, you know, they, they didn't talk very long, but how did he know Jesus was innocent? Like so convinced that he was innocent. And so what I did is I, I just went through the different accounts and I just kind of wove together their conversation, pulled it together. and was just kind of looking through like, what is it they actually said? And I, I think I found an answer to my question. And so today I'd like to just, I'd like to take a look at John uh, 19, 10 through 11. <clears throat> now, uh, Jesus had stopped answering Pilate's question at this point. And Pilate was really confused, and he said, he said this, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you, and I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And I, I, I had never seen, I just don't, I had never seen that part of what Jesus went through going to the cross was, Submitting to the governing authorities and following what they said to do. And, you know, he, what Jesus was saying is, you know, you actually would have no authority over me unless God gave it to you. And he has. And he actually submitted to Pilate's authority. Now, as I thought about this, so as I, as I thought about that, I just kind of imagined the scene and I thought, just remember who Jesus was. I mean, he's the guy that was, he's the guy that was in the boat with his disciples. He's asleep. The storm comes. They're, they think they're going to die. Actually, they're, they're sure they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care? We're perishing. Would you help us? And Jesus stands up and he says, stop it. And it's over and everything's done. I thought, this is the guy that's standing in front of Pilate. And Pilate's going, I'm in charge of you. And I, I just, that experience for Jesus, I think it might have, as I was thinking about it, the picture that came to my mind was like Arnold Schwarzenegger and a three-year-old. <laughs> And uh, the three-year-old telling him, this is what we're going to do. And I was thinking, the only hope the three-year-old would have is Arnie's in a good mood. Um, but if we just realize that, you know, the resources that Jesus had to bear, in that moment, he still followed and he submitted to the authority over him. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot to that. There's a lot going on there in that moment. But that's, that's one thing that was going on, is that he submitted to, to Pilate's authority. In fact, if you look at... Uh, after they had that conversation in Luke 23, you kind of see what Pilate did next. He says, so Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I find no guilt in this man regarding the charges that you make against him. And, and so I, one thing I saw was, you know, the, the big charge they brought against him is that he's leading a rebellion. 
And I think the reason Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent is that there was no rebellion in him. You know, it's hard to lead a rebellion when you're not rebellious. It's a really hard thing to do. And I think that he perceived that, that there was no rebellion in him. And he was convinced that he was innocent. So the, the question, a question to ask would just be, <clears throat> you know, how did, how did Jesus submit himself like that? How did he do that? Last week, last week we looked at a verse in First uh, Peter where we, we looked at that moment when Jesus was going through the crucifixion and what Peter was saying about him and how Jesus was handling it. I'd like to look at a piece of that again today. <clears throat> in First Peter 2.23, it just says, And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. So you, you really see that Jesus kept entrusting himself to God. In fact, you know, maybe I was thinking, you know, maybe right now in, in your life or in my life, maybe right now there's some authority in your life that's hard to follow. Maybe right now there's some that's hard to follow. It might be at work. It might be a boss or a team leader. It might be at home. <clears throat> I don't know where it might be, but it might be a leader that you're having a hard time following right now. And I think if you were to sit down with Jesus and and hang out with him and bring that up to him and open him up, open up to him and, and talk to him. I think, I think one thing that Jesus might say if he was sitting across the table would be something like this. It, it could be something like this. I understand the struggle you're going through. Man, I've been there. Here's what I did. What I did is I kept entrusting myself to my father and I followed the authority over me and trusted my father to do what was right. You know, that's really what I did. In fact, you know, maybe for you, he says, maybe keep reading Peter. Keep reading what Peter wrote, because I think it'd be really helpful to you. And so you begin, uh, you begin to continue reading through Peter. And you're spending time in, the, in Peter and kind of reading what Peter had to say. And you come across First Peter 2, uh, 18 through 19. And where Peter says this, he says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. And you think to yourself, like, you know, I need, I need to respect the authority over me and follow them, uh, and really trust God with the situation, even if, even if I don't agree, even if I think they're being unreasonable, even if they're being harsh, I need to, I need to follow what they have to say. Now that can be really hard in the moment. That can be really difficult in the moment. But I'd like to kind of, I'd like to tell you guys kind of a, kind of a sweeping story with me, uh, at work and, uh, kind of just walk through. Maybe you can see some things that, uh, have been helpful to me, but also, uh, that I continue to bring up to myself to remember as I'm facing new things ahead. But I remember one time, uh, I, as a, as a section chief, uh, as a supervisor, I had we one of our projects had to be awarded. You know, all of our projects in the federal government system, they have to be awarded by the end of uh, like the end of September, or you lose your money, or you could lose your money. But it's just like it's a real problem. They track it, and uh, it's like they 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 really can beat you up if you don't do it. And we had this project that had to be had to be awarded that year, and there was some real estate that that the, the sponsor was having a hard time getting, and they were just. They just weren't coming across the line, and they they got a hold of us, and they asked, "Can you relax the schedule?" 
on us. Like, we, we're still going to get it before you award, but we'd like to relax the schedule so we can have more time. We need more time. Now, for me, I had a lot of experience with these guys, with this, with this particular flood control district. And uh, getting things done on time wasn't a strong suit uh, that they had. And there was this big tenor at work in the, in the management structure that we were going to let them have this additional time. And with me, you know, I'm, I'm just focused. I'm just trying to get the job done. I'm like looking at this project. We're not going to be able to do it. I saw all the danger. And so um, what I did is I, I wrote an email uh, to the main boss in our company. And he's a guy I had a relationship with. It wasn't, it wasn't just like, you know, I was just throwing things out. But he's someone that I knew. We'd, we worked together on many things. And I just I wrote an email to him, and I asked him. I just said, you know, uh, I know... I know, uh, I know what, uh, the, the decision that we're, we're thinking about making. And, tell, and I said, you know what? I want you to know that I'm going to support any decision we make. But, um, there's some things I wanted to, I'm not sure that you know some things that, uh, we're going to face getting this project done. So I kind of laid out a couple things. Then I laid out some track record and how they, had, this folklore district had really stumbled badly in the past and, I said, if, and I made the point, you know, if we, if we, if we, if we give them some relaxation on this, probably not going to make it. And so I, I sent this email up to him, and and uh, he's a, he's a great guy. His name is Brian Moore, and uh, just a really competent guy. And he he sends me an email back. I really didn't know if he'd respond, but he uh, sent me an email back, and he, and he said, um, uh, he said, Paul. By the way, that's my real name. If you want to know, um, he said he he really said Paul. Hey, I appreciate what you shared. I appreciate the things that you wrote. He says, I think uh, you even might be right. He said, but, but let me, let me explain a couple things. And he, he basically explained, he goes, you know what? Uh, they're our customer. And because they're our customer, if we don't have a customer, we don't have money. You know, it's like, you know, customers are really what bring in the money. Now with us, federal government is kind of weird, but, we have to have a customer, and then the, the Congress will give us money. He says we really need to take care of them, and we need we just need to to uh, to satisfy them. And he says sometimes that gets a little rocky. And he's writing this. Sometimes it gets a little rocky. He says, but we really need we really need to uh, to keep them satisfied with what we're doing. And so I read that, and I read that, and you know, there was, my gut started churning. I'm like, ah, oh, but you know. But I, you know what? It made sense. It changed my perspective. I went, you know, it makes sense, but I just want to get the job done. And, but you know what? That's the way it is. So we, so we went forward and, uh, I got to be the message boy. <laughs> you know, I was like, Hey, yes, uh, we're going to give you, uh, more time. And I was helping track the schedule. And, uh, what happened, what happened was this is that it didn't get awarded. The real estate didn't get done in time. It didn't get awarded, and it turns out that some of the concerns I had were were, were correct concerns. But I don't know if we would have kept the pressure on; it might not have changed anything. I have no idea. But let me tell you: some of you may know Paul Harvey. Some of you are like, who in the world is that? But he had this phrase: "Let me tell you the rest of the story." <laughs> so let me tell you the rest of the story. Okay, so we we missed this deadline, and it's not fun. It was not a fun experience. Um, but then our design team gets together and we're trying to get this thing awarded again. And as our design team went back to the drawings, we found a design bust 
we found a problem, a mistake that was made. In fact, if that mistake would have come out in construction, it would have cost us several million dollars in changes to correct it. But if we caught it before we put it out, we'd just get bids on it, and it wouldn't cost nearly as much. And it was kind of one of those, whew, man, thank God. Wait a minute, that was really helpful. So then we were able to repackage it. We did. We took about a four- or five-month period just really working on it again, bringing it back up to speed. Sponsor was able to get the real estate, and we got it awarded the next year. One, one, what, what, one thing, one takeaway that I really took away from that is that God was working outside the boundaries of that decision in my life. He was working outside the boundaries of that decision. The decision seemed like it was the, the main thing, but God was working outside of that, and he was actually protecting me and my team from a mistake that we didn't even know existed. There was just a lot more going on than just that decision and what decision was made. And uh, that's the way that's the way that God really is interacting with us is he is in charge of everything and he's orchestrating the events of our lives. And uh, when we trust him, a lot of really good things, a lot of really good things begin to happen. So the question is, how, you know, how do you handle it when you don't agree with a leader's decision? I, I would suggest that up front, that you just take following off the table. You know, take the question of will I follow off the table. So instead of saying something like, well, I don't think we should do that, and, and here's why. Instead of saying something like that, say something like, hey, you know, uh, whatever you decide, I'll support. But I do have a few concerns, and uh, I'd like to share them with you because I, I think there's something that might be helpful as you make this decision. Uh, I, that's a huge difference. If you say something like that, then the leader doesn't see you as an obstacle that he has to, or she has to get around. And they, they begin to see you just as a teammate who's really pulling the same direction. And uh, they're a lot more open to hearing uh, your thoughts and concerns. And they can really, they can really follow along and really, and really take it to heart. Now, if you did follow that way, if you followed that way and without a rebellious spirit, and you took following off the table, but you expressed your concerns, I think there's a few things that could happen, a few, few different possibilities. These are probably not all the possibilities. But one possibility is it could be that the concerns you brought up really were not the driving factors. They were really not the driving factors in the decision, and the leader made the right call. And that's really good for you because because you followed, then you don't have you – don't, you're not viewed as an obstacle to them, <laughs> They actually see you as a teammate, and the right thing was done. So that's really a good thing. Another thing that could happen is, you know, it could be that your concerns were really good concerns, and uh, they were right. Maybe they were right on the money, and the decision could have been better. But that's really good. That's really good as well because you personally begin to have a lot more influence with with your leader. You begin to have a lot more influence with the person that you're following. And because they see you as on board, they see you as a teammate, that's really trying to pull things forward. And they, they see you as someone who has some good understanding and you have some good input. And over, over time, what you see is your input begins to carry a lot more weight with them. And so you begin to have a lot better relationship with the leadership and uh, you begin to have a lot more progress in what you're trying to get done. And it could be, another thing is, God could be doing something completely outside of your decision. God could be doing something in your life that's completely outside of this decision that if you'll follow, you'll get there. Um, I would say this, that if you don't, if you, if you do relate to authority with a rebellious spirit and, 
if you if you don't follow very well at all and you're just very rebellious, then none of those things really happen. Those good things I just mentioned, they just don't happen. Um, you kind of the opposite of those things begin to happen. So this morning, just to wrap up, I'd like to just wrap up with uh, with a verse, and that's just Hebrews thirteen seventeen. The writer of Hebrews just said this. He said, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. You know, if, if you make it a joy to your leader, uh, then and you're not an obstacle to them, you're really following well. And when you're following well, good things happen in your life. And good things happen in the leader's life. And it's like some synergy begins to develop. And it's just very profitable for the both of you. So keep those things in mind as, as you come against. Now, so as we walk away from this uh, time today, I would think, I would like to ask each one of us just to think through the lead, some of the leadership and maybe authority in our lives. And maybe there's a place right now where you really are trying to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I follow with this, this person or this, this agency? You know, how, what do I do to follow them? And I would, I would just encourage you to think through some of the things we talked about today and just really follow well and just work against having that rebellious spirit. Take following off, take will I follow off the table and really just uh, pull, pull alongside and it'll go really well for you. So with that, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and uh, come back up. And uh, if you didn't, if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, now's a great time to go ahead and finish filling that out. And uh, you can drop that in the offering basket when it comes around and I'm going to pray for us uh, as we continue the service. Dear God, Father, uh, we're just so grateful to you that you care about us and that you really understand what it's like to be us. And, and God, I just pray that you'd really help each one of us to, uh, in the situations where we're following, to follow well. In Jesus' name, amen.